0: Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives, changing lives. Again, my name is Pastor Chris, and I'm so glad you're here this morning. And uh, there's something special that God has in store for us together um, on this Memorial Day weekend. We are closing out our series on life hacks. Have you enjoyed this series so far? Church, it's been a fun series. We thought... uh. So look for some practical things that come up in life. I hope you don't forget some of those. But most importantly, I pray that you'll never forget the timeless truths of God's word that are so applicable today. Because Jesus came that we would have a full, abundant life, he said. He said that it would be lacking nothing, that we would experience life abundant. And what happens for so many... As we walk through this life and we're experiencing less than the life that he has for us. And we need to know that every time we come to God's word, these aren't just suggestions. God is showing us through his word a better way to live. How we can have the life and experience the life that he has planned for us. And I don't want anything to get in the way of that. How about you? I want to experience everything that he has for me. And so this series is really getting at the root of that and at the heart of that. And we wanted to... Really give you some practical messages and some practical steps that you can take to really experience the life that God has for us. And um, as we come into this final message, I want to, uh, I I told you each week I would kind of introduce you to a life hack. So is it okay if I take a couple minutes and share a few with you? Uh, This is the fun part, right, where we get to explore a few things. So this weekend is really the pivot point. It's a turn of seasons. Um, where we now are in summer mode, right, starting tomorrow and on through. And so there's a lot of travel. Maybe there's a lot of picnics. Is anyone looking forward to a picnic between now and the end of the day tomorrow? Anyone have plans? You don't come on, lift your hand if you if you do. Everyone look around. We're the family of God today. So just invite yourself over to their home or wherever that. ask them where they're going to be. Figure out what they're cooking. I know some of you are cooking some good stuff. Um, but I thought about a few life hacks for the outdoors for grilling and for picnics and for uh, entertaining this summer. So I want you to take a look at a few of these. I tried to slow down the video so that, that you can uh, catch it. I mean, it flew by last time. So let's see how I do uh, this service. Here are a few of them I want you to check out. First one is how to turn a bell pepper into a salsa bowl. So you can cut it up. You put it in there, put it with all your other fixings, uh, all the garnish. I just call that decoration for my food. I just, I don't worry too much about that. Uh, This is how to take, so you don't have to worry about chip bowls. If you actually fold in a chip bag and then you turn it over in that way, then you don't have to worry about bowls. You can just set out the chips just like that on the table, no mess. Whenever the water melts in the bottom of ice and kind of becomes a pool of it, if you put a strainer there above it, then all the ice is just there at the top and all the water is at the bottom. So I thought that was a cool one. So all your drinks aren't watered down. This is a good one for taking uh, orders. If I want a medium rare, rare, well done, just write it right on the bun. You know what you're cooking then, and you can just put it right on. This is probably my favorite one, how to cook corn in bulk. Take boiling hot water, put it inside of a cooler, pour it over it, sit for 30 minutes, and when you're done, you have fully cooked corn. Isn't that amazing? That's a good one. Come on, that's a good one. (laughs) And then finally... If you like coffee, but it's summer, you can make a coffee popsicles, and you can have those so that whenever everyone's tired, they can enjoy those before the end of it. So those are a couple life hacks you can enjoy. Those sounded pretty good, right? There's some good ones. You can utilize those uh, throughout the summer. So now how to transition into this message, right? <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. How many of you love going to some of those get-togethers? You have some family gatherings and things like that that you enjoy? For some of you, maybe you're clapping, maybe you're not clapping. I'm not going to ask you for any, any kind of response for this one. But you know what it feels like for some of those family gatherings. Maybe it's Memorial Day, maybe it's others, where maybe it's this year or recently. You've kind of shown up to that event, but there's been a little angst inside of you because there's somebody at that gathering that maybe there's an issue with. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Uh, Pastor, you got serious on this. I want to go back to the chips. But you, you know what that feels like, right? It's like we're enjoying it, but now when we show up, there's kind of like this tension in the air. Something happened, something maybe no one's talking about, maybe everyone's talking about, and now it's like when we all get together, fa- friendly uh, friends, family, there's some awkwardness because of this. There's an issue, a problem, something that's happened, some fallout that's taken place. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, some of you might be going somewhere tomorrow or today, and you don't know it, but there's an issue someone has with you. Uh, I, I don't mean to make you paranoid, but that might have happened. You did something inadvertently, and you didn't realize it, but it hurt somebody. And uh, you're like, great, now you're putting that in my head so I'm going to my family. No, I'm not saying that, but, but this happens a lot, right? We're all people, and um, we're flesh and blood. And it's very possible that uh, there are times that come where relationships can break down and there can be challenges. And what I want to share with you are some principles from God's Word on how to overcome that. Um, because I'll tell you what, it'd be really nice to have, you know, a nice bag of chips instead of a bowl or, um, you know, some salsa and a pepper. But what would be really great is if God could bring some freedom today to some relationships that are broken and strained. And, um, and I'm thankful today that, that from his word we're going to experience uh, what I believe will bring life and bring freedom. Um, but first, got to understand what the problem is and who's behind that problem. So that's what we're going to do, and we're going to explore this together today. I want to bring you to Matthew's gospel. You can um, turn quickly with me to Matthew chapter um, 6. And this ties in to last, uh, last week's message. We talked about finances, and we talked about what it meant to find some principles from God's word that could help us when it came to finances and how we manage the resources God has blessed us with. And... Um, As we look at this, this one verse here is kind of a financial term that's very important um, in Jesus' day and it's really important in every single day. Last week, the very first point of my message, the first principle I shared was the principle of debt avoidance, that it's God's desire that we would not be in debt, that we would avoid debt, that we would, to the best of our ability, not be looking for more debt. I mean, it's, it's ultimately God's plan, and some of us are on a 30-year plan to get there, and it might take longer for some or less, but, like, we want to get to a place where we're not carrying debt, right? And will everyone say amen to that? And anyone want some debt? Because there's a bunch of people here that would gladly share theirs with you, um, We don't want debt. We don't want anything kind of weighing us down. And so that can feel heavy. And Jesus uses this term when he's teaching his followers, his disciples, and ultimately teaching us how we're called to pray. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our what? Debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. He said, Lord, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. See, we weren't created to carry debt. We talked about that last week. It creates a strain and a burden on us. But some of us, we're not as much maybe carrying a financial burden of debt. So we're not carrying financial debt. But for some of us, we are carrying relational debts that are weighing us down. Somebody here today, you may be debt-free in your life financially, but there are some relational debts that you are carrying that are weighing you down and wearing you out. And it's those debts that Jesus is talking about when he said, this is how you're called to pray. And Lord, Father in heaven, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. So God, don't carry the debt against us, and we aren't going to carry the debt against anyone else. There's some of us, we're carrying that, and it's painful, and it's difficult. For some of you, the most difficult and painful challenges in your life are relational challenges, they are the things that you're experiencing that are birthed in some kind of relationship, gone wrong, gone broken, that is creating pain and, and hurt in your life. And you're carrying a what I would call a relational debt. Maybe someone has wronged you or circumstances wronged you. Maybe you feel someone owes you something because of a wrong or something that they've done. You're carrying it around with you. And as you're carrying that around with you, it's causing some things to happen inside of you. There are some thoughts that you're thinking that you know are not great thoughts. There are some things that are going through your mind that you know aren't good things to be dwelling upon. And you don't even know where they're coming from. But they're causing anger inside of you. This is where I wanted us to get to as we come to God's word now, because Jesus goes through a series. This chapter six is in a a series of teachings that Jesus is really helping reorient people's lives. He's saying to them in the Sermon on the Mount, there is a better way to live. You've heard it said to live this way, but this is what I tell you. And so let's go back one page now. You're in Matthew chapter six. Go back to Matthew chapter five and a little earlier on in the gospel here as Jesus is sitting with the multitudes and he's delivering this message to them. He goes on a series of statements where he said, you've heard it said, but I say to you or you've heard others and the ancients tell you this. But this is what I tell you today. He's giving them life hacks in the first century. This is a better way to live. They said live this way, but this is a better way to live. This is the heart of what God wants you to live if you're a part of the kingdom of God, the people of God. And here's what Jesus says, and it ties right into what we're talking about this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus said, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable in a court. Okay, so Jesus is saying, You've heard it said that the ancients were told, and everyone was told, Don't commit murder, and anyone who does that is going to be liable. When they go to court, they're going to be found guilty. We say, Yeah, that holds up as well today, Right? Okay, I get that principle, but here's what Jesus said. You've heard it said, but now I say to you, verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, and you can add right there, or sister, ladies, you're not exempt from this, shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the supreme court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Everyone got really quiet this morning. It's happened in first service, too. I know I got real quiet when I read it. There are those times where I'm reading something in the Bible, and I just kind of want to explain it away. Like, it doesn't mean that. It can't mean that. But what Jesus is ultimately equating, he said, if you murder, you're going to be found guilty before the court. But he said, now, if you're angry in your heart against your brother, you're guilty of the same thing. That's what he's saying. Do you get that, church? And then he said, and then if you actually go on to say something about it, it's even worse. And then if you say you fool and you really degrade them and you allow that to, then it's even worse. And he said, you're, you've done enough that's worthy of the fiery hell. And you're like, no, you can't be serious, Jesus. How many of you think he's serious in what he's saying here? Not too many of you. Yeah. Let me read it again. You've heard it said. You shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder will be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Here's something that Jesus realized. Long before something happens in your life, it happens in your heart. Long before something happens in your life, it happens in your heart. Where no one may see it, no no one may understand it. But here's the first and greatest commandment that the Lord ever gave. To love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength. So why is Jesus getting to the heart of this issue? Why is he taking this so seriously? Because you'd have to say, Lord, I'm, I'm I'm I've done this. I mean, it's it's like how could I not? I mean, it's so easy to get angry with people. It's so easy to have something against somebody that hurts me, offends me, has done something that that's caused this to me. I mean, it's like, are you telling me that that when I when I have that, then I don't understand? I'm not even doing anything about it. They may not even know about it. Jesus knows that what starts in the heart is going to end up manifesting in your life somehow. And He said, and then by the time that it starts to come out of your mouth and you begin to speak it out and he's using two phrases that both seem pretty bad but they're progressing in severity you good for nothing or you fool like when you really begin to come against and it begins to grow he said it's already too late because it's taking root in your heart it's growing out and out of the abundance of the heart what happens the mouth speaks And so it's beginning to come out of your life and flow into your life. And somebody said once, long ago, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what words will never hurt me. How many of you have said that that's held up to be true in your life? No, right? Some of you have been shaped by some words. Some of you have been wounded by words. I've been wounded by words. Words hurt. Some of you would prefer the sticks and stones as to the words that have been spoken over your life. Jesus is saying, we've got to get to the heart of the matter because when it gets to that point, it means that something has gone wrong here. And don't think that just because it's there and it's not out there and you haven't murdered them or hurt them or hit them or done something physically, that this is a problem because it's a spiritual problem. And at the heart of the matter, it matters to God. Why does it matter so much? Because in that moment... What you're following is not the will and purpose of God. Your heart is not loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your heart is being diverted towards something else and someone else. Because that's not the purpose of God for you to have that against them. It's not the purpose of God for you to say that. It's not the purpose of God for someone to be murdered. It's not the purpose of God. This is outside of his purpose. It's outside of his will. This doesn't fit the agenda of God. It fits someone else's agenda who John 10.10 describes as the thief. He's the enemy of your soul, the devil, Satan. He has a mission and a purpose for your life. Some of us, here's what you don't realize. You think that just God is the only one that has a purpose for your life. No, 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 no. The enemy has a goal for you as well. He has a mission. It's a mission for every single one of us. It's been a mission since the beginning. And here's what it says. We get his mission statement in John 10.10. The thief comes only to do three things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So that we see these two divergent paths, one towards life and one towards death. The mission, remember this, the mission of the enemy is to destroy. The mission of the enemy is to destroy. And here's what he realizes. If he can destroy your heart, he can destroy your life. I'm going to say it again. If he can destroy your heart, he can destroy your life. And so what he does is he's influencing your heart. And you may think it's fine because it's not manifesting. But I'll just say this. It's not manifesting yet. But it's on its way because he knows he's planted seeds there that are going to grow. And the fruit they're going to produce will surprise you. And the fruit that's going to produce is going to catch you off guard. And the fruit it will ultimately produce is for your destruction, not for your benefit. And if it's not for your destruction, it'll be for the destruction of someone else as well. And so this is what's happening. This is why Jesus takes it so seriously. Are you still with me, church? So first thing is is that the mission of the enemy is to destroy. Now, the strategy, that's ultimately his goal. How is he going to do it? The strategy, I believe the greatest strategy to bring about destruction is division. So the strategy of the enemy is division. This is how he does it. This is how he ultimately can get to that point of destruction is by dividing. And as he's dividing, he then wants to conquer. And so here's what happens. As you have relationships, he drives wedges into those relationships. There's wedges that come. And you felt that. I'm sure every single one of us have felt a wedge driven into a relationship that creates division. It's a hurt. It's something that's gone wrong. It's something that's been painful. It's something that someone's done against you or a circumstance that's happened that has now created strain and tension and a wedge in a relationship. There are people that you may know of in your life that because of something that happened, whether it was your fault, theirs or someone else's, it's broken apart your relationship. You may have a broken relationship in your life somewhere. Maybe you haven't thought about it in a long time, but there's a wedge that's there. And the goal that the enemy will use the strategy is to drive as many wedges as possible and the more that we as believers and followers of Jesus succumb to this we may think it's no big deal this is just relational stuff it's just between me and him and me and them and they don't even know the Lord so it doesn't really matter and it's just this and we just think it's just fine we're just managing the dysfunction of broken relationships and tension and wedges being caused and here's we don't realize that the enemy does, and I believe that we become ignorant to it. That every time he can drive a wedge between our relationships and get us apart this way, it's actually at the same time driving a wedge between us and God. You may not have realized that before, but I want you to know that what happens on this horizon does have something to do with what's happening on this horizon. Uh, and This is important, that what's happening between us can also influence our relationship with God. Jesus says this, he makes it clear, God's word is clear on this matter. that are horizontal problems can actually manifest into vertical problems that begin to hinder and influence our relationship with God, our worship even. So Jesus understands this, and he's saying this is why it's so important that we don't carry around this unforgiveness, that we don't carry around these burdens and these pains and these hurts with us, because those hurts and those pains, they become debts that you carry. But those debts are heavy. They weigh you down. And you may be carrying them, and they're against many different people that have done many different things to you, and those things are are wrong, and and they are something that should be denounced, Stephen. It's something that was not even within your control, and it happened to you. But you're carrying around the debt of it, the debt that you're holding against somebody. Your heart has become offended because of it, and as you're carrying it, it's created division. Your life is marked maybe with some different division that's happened, and the enemy is reveling in that. Because it's a part of his strategy to ultimately try to destroy. And he's destroying relationships. He's trying to influence that. And it all has ramifications on our relationship with God. So the mission of the enemy is to destroy. The the strategy of the enemy is to divide. But there's a tool that he uses to do all of this. It's a tool. It's a small tool, but it's a tried and tested tool. It's one that has been around since the very beginning. And as soon as he can slip that in and get that there... It just begins to take root, and for some it seems so innocent, and that's why so many believers are plagued by this, and we allow it to grow in our lives, and we allow it place in our lives, and it's dangerous. Do you want to know what that toll is? Offense. Offense. There's a book that was written by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. Do you want to know what it is? Offense. If he can get us offended... And we can get he can get us to harbor that offense. You know what happens? It leads to division, it leads to destruction, it leads to all kinds of things. Before long, it can become a spiritual condition that we just walk around just offended at everything. Because it's just done something inside of us. And some, you say, I used to have this different disposition, but now I can't see things but this way. And before long, you walk into a situation and you're excited and you're you're filled with joy, and and then a few things happen, and now you come in, you can't see the good anymore, you just see the problems, almost like you're looking for something to get you upset, and and get you frustrated, and get you offended, and you're kind of carrying that around, and so the tool the enemy loves to use, and it's one that he uses with great success, is offense, it's when someone has wronged you, and you become offended, every single one of us, and I won't even ask you, because every one of us should put our hands up. We've all been offended at one point or another in our lives, haven't we? Someone's done something to offend us. Something that is to offend means that something offensive has happened to you. And other can be things that someone has done intentionally to offend you. Someone has done ignorantly to offend you. Someone that could have tried to do something nice, but they actually were doing something offensive to you. And so we have these kinds of offenses that happen every single day, all the time uh, people are being offended. It's happening. You know why? Because we're flesh and blood. Because we have nerve endings. And whenever you prick me, it hurts. And whenever you cut me, I bleed. Like, it's, it's like these things happen. In the same way, spiritually, we're sensitive. Our hearts are sensitive. And whenever we're vulnerable, when we're open, when we extend ourselves and something happens that hurts us and creates pain, it comes as an offense. We're offended. We're hurt. That hurt, the root of it is Offense. And that offense that's happened um, is something that we need to take very seriously because we will end up missing out on so much of our lives if we're just spending all our time carrying around the weights of offense and the things that have happened to us. And I want you to know something today, that what's happened to you is something that's probably outside of your control many times some of the things that have hurt you and wounded you and caused offense in you is something maybe you really couldn't help yourself or keep yourself from. But I want you to know every single one of us, we have the ability to decide what we're going to do with that offense when it happens. We can't all decide whether we're ever going to be offended. We just can't do it. There could be something that's going to hurt. We don't have the ability like turtles to just go into a shell and just just keep and if we have gotten to that point it means probably our heart is becoming incredibly hard. We're not allowing anything in anymore, but that's not a good place to be. The answer is not to harden your heart. God says don't harden your heart. Cuz we got to have a heart that's sensitive, sensitive to the things of God. But when people get hurt over and over again, their heart just gets hardened and they're like nothing hurts me anymore. I'm just numb to it. That's not a healthy place to be. We're meant to feel we're meant to be vulnerable and open. That's the way God created us. Because as you're blocking out everyone else, you may be blocking out God as well. Are you following me? So we can't always stop bad things from happening to us, things that will offend us and hurt us, but we always have a choice on what we're going to do with it. And I believe that every time there, there is an option of two things, two people we can become, we can become a victim or we can become a victor. We can become a victim of what has happened to us or we can actually turn it around and see victory where there are meant to be defeat and pain. I shared this. It came to me in the middle of preaching, but it, it's such a powerful illustration. Many know Joyce Meyer. And I don't know if you know Joyce Meyer's testimony, but her father had sexually abused her up to 200 times, I'd heard. She shared this testimony. This happened to her. Her life was broken. But I'm so thankful that we serve a God who can meet you in your most broken place, who can redeem you, who can save you, who can transform your life. Turned it around in her life, that she would not just be a victim, but that she would experience victory and freedom. God would use it. To bring her and lead her into a ministry where she ministers to millions of people. But here's the rest of the story. By the end of her father's life, God had not just done that, but he had reconciled them together. She had forgiven him and then led him to Christ. Got him a home and cared for him until he died. That's the power of God to redeem and restore and reconcile. And we allow things to divide us and hurt us. And I want you to know something today. God is a God of redemption. God is one who can turn around every story. God is a God who can heal every wound, who can take you from a place of being a victim of a very difficult circumstance. And he can redeem all things. He can redeem all things for his glory. But it's a choice that we make to just submit ourselves to that work in our lives that we have to be willing to come to him and say, Lord, it's happened to me, but Lord, I know your grace is sufficient. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly more. And so, again, the tool is a fence. And so if we need freedom, the freedom comes to us Not by following the latest and greatest ideas or opinions. There is one way to find freedom whenever we've been carrying offense, when we've been hurt, when something has happened that has wronged us. The freedom comes through forgiveness. Some of you are not clapping or excited because you heard this before, right? You're like, yes, I know, pastor. It's about forgiving. Jesus says it right there in the prayer. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. So we get it like the the heart of this is a a message of forgiveness. But remember what forgiveness is. It isn't just saying you're forgiven. It isn't just about the words. It's about what's going on in your heart. You can say you're forgiven, but you could never really release the offense in your heart. Do you know that? You can say it with your mouth, but that's just lip service. Because if you've not really released the offense in your heart, then you haven't really forgiven. What forgiveness is, it's a canceling of a debt that's against them. They owe you something because of what's happened. They, they're owed some kind of punishment. There's some kind of something that needs to be made right. When forgiveness happens, the debt is canceled in your life. You say, I'm no longer canceling. The debt is canceled. It's severed. Here's what forgiveness is not. It is not forgetfulness. It's not just pretending like nothing happened. That's not forgiveness. But we try to make forgiveness forgetfulness. That's not what it's about. Forgiveness is letting go of the need to have justice for the wrong that's happened or for it to be made right. Some of us, we will not get to that point of forgiveness because we cannot let go of that insatiable desire that it has to be made right before I'm done with it. And I want you to know, It's tormenting you, and the enemy's using it as a tool, not for your benefit, but for your destruction, because he wants you fixating on that. But true forgiveness is cutting it. It's severing it and letting it go. It doesn't need to wait for an apology. Forgiveness doesn't. It isn't enacted by some apology. It doesn't need to be enacted by an acknowledgement of guilt or blame. That's something that God could use for restoration. It's something that God can bless in a situation. But forgiveness is a choice that you make, not the other person that's offended you. It's for you. It's for as much as it's on you to make that decision to let go of the debt. Forgiveness is something that happens that's so transformational because we think when we are holding something against someone that's hurt us that we are holding them. It's like we're holding them in prison. And, and I love this quote that was shared by Lewis Smeads. It was a long time ago, and he said this, Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free only to realize that prisoner is you. Whenever we, whenever we forgive, we're letting someone free, but we don't realize we're the one finding the freedom through it. We're the one that's being released from it. And the whole time we thought they're the one there. It's like we're both standing on two sides of this jail cell, and we're trying to let them free. And we didn't realize that the whole time we're the ones standing in the prison. For some, it hurts you so bad because someone's hurt you and maybe they don't even realize the extent of it and you just see them enjoying themselves, you see them on social media, you see everything, and you're like, you should be suffering, and, you, and you're there, and you don't really, you, because you're the one standing in the prison, not them. You're holding it against them, but you're the one in prison because of it. When we can truly forgive the way Jesus calls us to, we're the ones that are set free as a result of it. We're the ones that experience the lifting in our lives. This is normally where the message would end. So we must forgive. But I think that so many have just one word question after this. Pastor, how? How? How do I do it? I'm going to invite Mark and the worship team to come up. And this is the key to forgiveness. It's something that has just come alive to me as we've been working on this message. There's one key that turns... the lock and opens the cell wide. It's something it gives us the strength and the capacity to do it, even when we don't have it within ourselves, to do it. It's one word. You ready? Grace is the key. Grace. I'm going I'm to help you understand what that means. That grace is the key to forgiveness happening and this freedom coming into our lives. See, the longer it takes us to forgive, the longer... It becomes internalized within us, and before long, it just—it just fills us, and it starts to change us from the inside out. Some of you, you look at yourself, and you don't feel like you were who you were a little while ago. Something's turned in you, and your spirit has become bitter. Maybe offense does that. Offense has an ability to come into what's sweet, and through that being harbored long enough, it just turns it around, and before long, there's a bitterness that's in you. A way that you see things that isn't the way you used to see them. It's just—it's because it's gnawing at you. It's eating away at you. Bitterness, really, in that offense that comes, it it turns toxic within us. Our soul is like septic. It becomes septic because of the offenses that have come in and contaminated us. Because we're not meant to walk around with it. We're meant to live with it. We don't realize it, but then when, we, when we hold on to it, it's like we're holding on to poison within ourselves. It has the ability to influence and change us. There's a verse in Scripture where the author of Hebrews is talking, and he said, make sure that there's no bitter root that grows up in you to cause trouble and defile many. Because I want you to know that what gets planted as a seed of offense will soon grow into a root of bitterness that will eventually manifest fruit of destruction and division in your life. This is the progression of what's happening. It says it causes trouble and it defiles many. I want you to know that the root of bitterness that you think you're just harboring under the surface, the goal of it is destruction and to defile as many people as possible, you included. He says, see to it that that doesn't happen in your life. See to it that that doesn't take place inside of you. But how? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. The how is the beginning of that. It says this, see to it that no one falls short of what? The grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Do you know what happens when there's an absence of the grace of God? The bitter root has a place to grow. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. I've never picked up on this before, but I want you to know what happens when you forgive when you're in Christ. You know what happens? You're not just forgiving, you're extending the grace of God into that circumstance. You're extending the grace of God into those things, because you know what happens? Grace is this. It's unmerited favor. It means you're getting what you don't deserve, and I want you to know something today. If you've received the grace of God in Jesus Christ, He's forgiven you of your sins, the grace you've received is now a grace that you can give. You may have had nothing to give when you didn't know Jesus, but I want you to know, as you know Him, your life is marked by the grace of God. It says this, see to it that no one falls short of it. That as far as it's within your reach, extend it. And I want you to know something. If someone's falling short of it, that you're unwilling to extend the grace of God, you're also the one falling short of it. Because it influences you and your relationship with God. Jesus goes so far as to say in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, he says, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there at the altar and go first and be reconciled to your brother, then come and present your offering. You know why? Because Jesus said it influences and hinders your worship when there's offense that's unsettled. When there's an issue there, it influences your relationship with God. This relationship influences this relationship why Peter goes on to say, husbands, treat your wives as co-heirs to the grace of God so that your prayers won't be hindered. Like it matters to the heart of God, our relational um, activities, what's happening in our lives, how we're treating one another has everything to do with our relationship with God. So he says this, make sure no one falls short of the grace of God as far as you can extend it to others and when you're coming and it's something so bad and so hard and so difficult but in that moment you could say lord i don't have it but you have it lord i extend your grace into this situation that can cover over that can bring freedom that can bring relief that debts can be canceled in it all comes because of the grace of god in our lives and here's what i'll tell you today the forgiveness of god the grace of god isn't something that can just flow to me. It has to flow through me. If I'm going to be who Christ has called me to be, this is why Jesus said it's so important to pray this way. In fact, he tagged on that prayer, and he said, because if if you don't forgive, then you're not going to be forgiven from your Heavenly Father. He takes it so seriously, because the grace of God, it cannot just flow into you and not flow out of you. It doesn't work that way. When it does, it dies within you. I know that's strong, but but hear me on this because there's an illustration that I believe God has given us in nature, in the Holy Land itself, in Israel. If you look at the top part of Israel, up north, beautiful rushing streams and springs that flow down from Mount Horeb flows into the Jordan River. And as the Jordan River flows down, it's beautiful. It's life-giving. There's life, there's fish, there's everything. It flows out of the Jordan River into the Sea of Galilee. And in the sea of galilee you could see there are fishing boats it's where the miracle of the fish and the catch the miraculous catch took place so many that they couldn't withhold it and it's there and you see life and, and bustling and and then it flows out of this into the sea of galilee out of the sea of galilee and as it goes down the jordan river it goes into the dead sea the dead sea may look beautiful but there's one big problem with the dead sea do you know what it is it's dead It could look as nice as it wants to, but it's dead, and there is no life there, and anything that comes into it that has life will die. Do you know why? It's one simple thing, because it has all kinds of life flowing into it and no life flowing out of it, and when that happens, death is produced as a result. I want you to know what is there physically is the same spiritually. If the grace of God flows into your life and you have no outlet for it to flow out of your life, it will stagnate inside of you and die. And before long, offense and all these things will rob your joy, will deplete you and destroy you. It's serious. That's why Jesus said these kinds of things. It wasn't because he's holding something over us. It's because he needs us to understand the spiritual principle. We don't understand our hearts the way he does. That's why it's so vitally important that we don't miss the grace of God, that we don't allow a bitter root to grow up. But it's only by the grace of God that if you're in that place today, that I'm so thankful for his incredible grace. I'm so thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit that even today, as you feel all these things welling up inside your heart, that we have a God who's come and it's his good pleasure to set free captives today. It's his good pleasure to cancel debts. It's his good pleasure to see his children line up with his heart and his will. And today, if you don't feel like you have the strength, I believe that as you're willing to stand in his presence, he's gonna give you the strength to let go and to forgive and to release offenses and find freedom for yourself. It only comes through the grace of God. So let's stand today in the presence of God. And I want you to know that the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for you, the gospel gives us the grace to forgive. The grace we have received in Jesus is the grace we need to be giving out and giving out to others that are in need of it, that have offended us, that have hurt us, not just for their freedom, but especially for our freedom. Mark eleven twenty-five. whenever you stand praying, and we're standing praying today, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you of your transgressions. Today, what do you need to let go of? Who do you need to forgive? Who has wounded you today, small or large, that today's a day that God wants to bring freedom into your life by canceling the debt, by releasing the offense, by allowing the bitterness to be turned sweet again. It can only come by a work of the grace of God in your life but are you willing today to let go? To the extent that you are, you know who you are, and you know who it is and what it is specifically. I want you just to close your eyes right now, and I want you to begin to identify those areas in your life where there are things that you need to let go of, and there's forgiveness that needs to go forth. Lord Jesus, look over every heart and every life. And I want you just to think about that for a few moments, but there's a few people in the room that I'm talking to today that you can't give out this kind of forgiveness because you've never received it in your life. Today, you've never asked Jesus to come and to forgive you of your sins. And I want you to know today's the day for you to do that, to make that decision. And so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to invite you to say a prayer with me right now. It's a prayer of forgiveness. It's not for you to give it out, but for you to first receive it for yourself. You know the things you've done, maybe that have shamed your past and I want you to know those things are things that separate you from the love of God. But the good news is this, that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And if you call upon his name, you can experience his forgiveness in your life. If you've never experienced that before today, I want you to say this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart right now and say it out loud with me. pray, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. They separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. Come in and cleanse my life and lead me today and every day. I commit to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen to me right now with your heads bowed. If that's you and you said that prayer for the first time, would you just lift up your hands so I know that you're here? I'd love to just uh, pray a prayer of blessing over you now. If that's you and you made that decision for the first time, wherever you're sitting, just lift up your hand and let me know. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. I'm so thankful for those that have lifted their hands. I'm going to pray for you right now. Church, let's celebrate with those that have made that decision for the first time. I see in the balcony, I see down on the main floor. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your forgiveness that has flowed into the lives of so many today, Lord, as they've called upon you, whether watching online or here within the sound of my voice. pray that you touch them and lead them, Lord God, and help them to live lives marked by forgiveness. In Jesus' name. For the rest of us, church, you're here and you've been thinking, praying. Maybe there's somebody... God's brought into your life or there's some circumstance that you just have to let go of today there's been a word that's spoken to you or over you that's been defining you for far too long today's the day that the debts are gonna be canceled that those things are gonna be uh, completely erased I'm praying by God's grace in your life and that you experience healing and freedom for the first time so that's you and there's something in your life I want to pray with you now but it's your decision so you know what those are so would you begin to pray Begin to confess those things and release them into God's hands right now. Just join with me as I pray. Jesus, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you today that we've been forgiven so that we can forgive. And so today we hold these things, Lord God. Some things we've been holding for a long time. Some things have become a part of us, Lord God. But today we realize that they're not for our benefit, but they're for our destruction. And so in your presence today, Lord, we release them to you. Or we release the offenses that we've been carrying. We release the desire to get even or be made right, Lord God, or to be justified. We forgive as you've forgiven us, Lord God. And Lord, it's painful right now, and it's hard, and it feels almost impossible. That's why I'm thankful for your grace that flows into my life now come and flow over me and through me and may that grace flow out of my life and extend to the farthest reaches of depravity, brokenness and sin that may have offended me and hurt me and been meant for my destruction I hold on to it no longer today Lord I release in your presence and find freedom in the hands of Jesus. So today, Lord God, take these things, Lord God. Cleanse my heart anew, Lord God. As I turn to you, Lord God, I pray that the ways that I become angry against others, the way that I harbor offense and bitterness and unforgiveness, today I repent of it, Lord. I turn to you with it and I lay it at your feet, Lord God. Lord God, today I'm thankful for your grace and your mercy that meets me. That when I turn to you, I don't have to be afraid, but I have grace to help me in my hour of need. Lord, I need you, Lord, I need you this hour to fill me with a grace that is not my own, to stand with a strength that I don't have, that I can experience, Lord God, and practice the things that you've put before me. Lord, what I have received from you, I now give out to those that need it, Lord God, to those who may not feel, I don't feel like they deserve it, Lord God, but neither did I, so I extended freely the grace of God. Lord God, I take on the the freedom that you bring and you promise to me now. Lord, I pray for every relationship. I pray for every conversation that needs to happen after today. Lord God, don't make us hearers of your word. Make us doers of your word. As uncomfortable as it might be, Lord, we pray today is a day of restoration and reconciliation. We pray today, Lord God, that the bonds of the enemy would be broken. And that you begin, Lord God, to bring about great works of reconciliation and restoration. That, Lord God, the wedges that the enemy's tried to put in the offenses that he's sown. Lord God, that they would be unrooted. That his mission would be void, Lord God, it would be broken, and that we would fulfill your plan and your purposes for our lives. Lord, we thank you for the relationships that will be restored. We thank you for the freedom that comes now in your presence, and we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, and amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Pray that God meets you in a special way. We're going to worship the Lord and spend some time at these altars. Our prayer team is up here in the front. If you need anything or to talk with someone or pray, we're here for you. If not, God bless you. Have a great weekend. And We'll see you next Sunday as we kick off a brand new series. You don't want to miss out on Bye-bye. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.